getting ready to drop another episode of Living Well While Living Online, a production of the Quinnipiac University Podcast Studio. I'm your host, Tammy Riley, and I'm really looking forward to the conversation this week with Cassie Turner, the head women's ice hockey coach at Quinnipiac University. I feel like this episode is a dose of girl power, of gaining your confidence, of reclaiming your ability to be a mother at any point in your child's life, and also to really look at what it means to nurture your team, strengthen your team, and how coaches have had to change what the word practice means. So please tune in to get some words of wisdom from my friend, Cassie. Welcome back to this next episode of Living Well While Living Online. I'm your host, Tammy Riley, and I'm really looking forward to our conversation today with Quinnipiac University's head women's ice hockey coach, Cassandra Turner. Cassandra, can we call you Cassie? You're a fan. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, Cass. Awesome. Thank you for having me. I think this is such a phenomenal idea. And when I heard of it, it made a lot of sense that you were the person that was doing it just with how well connected you are and, and really your perspective. So I'm excited. Oh, well, thank you very much. And I feel the same about you. I've, I've been saying with my episodes that I have selfishly as the host been able to gather together the people I really want to have conversation with that I really want to know what's happening. And, and Cass, you're going to tell us a bit about yourself and your history. And then I'll, I'll kind of share our, our first meeting, I guess, and how, how we've connected. But if you can give our listeners an overview of, you know, really what your background is. We know you're a a ice hockey coach, but you know, a little more in depth than that. Sure. Um, You don't want everything. So I'll just give you a little (laughs) bit. I, uh, so I'm originally from Canada um, and it was a big uh, culture shock for me when I went to university, I went to Brown university and I'm from a really small town and that opened up my mind to the world. I think that was just a big cultural experience and really began to shape who I am and, um, and really still has a big influence on the the things that I do today and, and things that I believe. So I was really fortunate for that. I clearly have had hockey as a part of my life, my entire life. I played college hockey. I played with the Canadian national program. I've been so fortunate to, have had hockey open so many doors that wouldn't have opened for me um, in terms of travel to other countries, especially the people that I've met and the opportunities I've gotten um, coaching with our national program in in Canada. And then especially here at Quinnipiac, I um, absolutely love Quinnipiac. I've been here for 12 years, which it's amazing to think that that's, it was 12 years ago when I first met you. Crazy, right? Crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I've spent five years as the head coach. Um, I love everything about being here. And and this has been a phenomenal place for me to grow personally. And then also for me to start to grow my family. So Mm -hmm. I have um, two small children. They both turned just turned five and three. Though my three-year-old, I asked her this morning how old she is. And she said she's five and she acts that way. And they look like (laughs) twins. So um, they they keep us incredibly busy and have been such an awesome part of, of our lives and a big, big change that I can't imagine have not having them as a part of our lives. 
Yeah, that's it's hard when you have a professional career like yours that's really busy and you essentially are a mother to a team every year all the time. So when you're deciding, do we want to add our own children to the mix? I, I bet that's a big decision. But um, I know as a mom, and I'm sure you now do too, like, oh my gosh, it's just, it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. <laughs> you're right though. There was a long period of time where I thought, how can I do this? You know, how can I be a coach and be a mom? And um, I've had some really great mentors and people that I've I've seen balance it and balance it in hockey, including my college head coach. And that was incredibly inspiring to me. And I knew that I was going to make a lot of mistakes, <laughs> but I also knew it was going to be pretty neat to have kids grow up with my the women in our program and have those women as their role models. I wouldn't want them looking to anyone else other than mm. them. And that's been an amazing benefit. Yeah, for sure. We do work with some really incredible young women and and men, of course, but yes. but yeah, yeah, some amazing ones out there. But but 12 years ago, when Cassie was on her tour of the Quinnipiac campus, um, I got a little poke that said, hey, can you have lunch with Cassie and talk to her about Quinnipiac? So she and I got to have lunch together, which was, which was so fun. You were so easy to talk to. And I knew instantly that you would be an amazing fit at Quinnipiac just with you know, it's it's definitely a community feel, and we definitely have that ability to really um, hunker in with our with our crew and grow and share and learn and develop. And so, I mean, I've been here. This is my 18th year, so certainly 12 years ago, wow. I was younger in my career as you are. And but it's been really nice, just like you're you're saying. It has opened so many doors, and it was wonderful to get to be one of the first people that you met on campus. Oh, and I tell that story all the time. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I talk about just our community here. And to this day, something happens once a week that I am blown away about how kind people are. And mm. I, I'm from a, a town that has three stoplights. So wow. we know everyone in my small <laughs> town. And, you know, when I walked around campus with you, every single person knew who you were. And, I thought, wow, like that's a place that I could feel really comfortable. I could feel like I was a part of something and, you know, that people would be looking out for you. People would be there for you when you needed them um, and vice versa. And, I, you know, Jack McDonald way back then said, mm -hmm. as I was also touring, the book is better than the cover. And at first I was a little critical. I thought, oh, what a silly cliche. And then now I, I'm like, it's not a cliche. It is so true. And um, that's the community that I just absolutely love to be a part of here. And it, it was, it was just so neat to have you. And I remember you driving me around, you drove me around areas where I could potentially like get apartments and, and it, like, I just felt comfortable. <laughs> Yeah, that was so funny. It's so funny yeah. to think back now. Well, also, you know, I'm a Hamden native, so you know I know everything in Hamden. Yes. Now you know yes. my dad, you know, you get to see him <laughs> in the rink, and now you know I why. I just saw him about 10 minutes ago, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> so it is very, very much like home and family, which which we both agree on, which we're really lucky to have that part of what we do. I think it, it helped. I know it helps me to be able to do all the other things I have to do when I, when I know there is a community behind me. So yeah, absolutely. Sure. Uh, okay. Well, let's like dive in to, to why we're here now as a head coach, you have a pretty obviously big job, but I mean, it's in, it's intense and it's intense in different parts of the year, right? We know that you ebb and flow with when there might be a little downtime where there's more recruiting and you have a team behind you. So maybe they do a little bit more. And then when you're in season, my gosh, it's like, you know, uh, 
24-7 all the time. And that that's the the cycle of what it's like to be a coach in general. But so in mid-March, if if we were to not, you know, go home and, and, and turn our computers on the way we had to, if you were to finish out what was happening in your day, like what's your typical day? How long were you spending, you know, with your family or with time to yourself and with your team and how did, what did that sort of look like? And I hate to use the word normal because I just before, I'm just going to say before. Yes. <laughs> I like that. Just before. Yeah. <laughs> at, at that time of year, um, we were, our season had just come to an end. And so it's kind of that, that exciting beginning almost, you know, you start to really look forward to what you're creating as a new group, as a coach. And so that, you know, that in that time of year, that would really be our formation as a team where we train off ice. We do some on ice skills, but we really push to get outside our comfort zone, to mm-hmm. set new goals, to, to, to really get set for what is it that we're going to work to accomplish this summer and lead into the next, the next season. And that really is an important time as a team for us. Some people might think, oh, you're just in your off season, but we're, we're a group that really values pride and, and in the process. And that's the beginning of the process. So, um, that typically, you know, we'd be training and, and us as a coaching staff, we also spend a lot of time on the road at that time of year. Mm. We really are getting ourselves set, recruiting what we want that to look like for our next class, um, evaluating, watching players who are coming, are committed to Quinnipiac. Um, so it's a lot of time on the road and then also the beginning of professional development, um, that being a big part of that time of the year leading into our convention, but just reflection, you know, reflection on the season. That's a big thing on, and what I do at that time of year is, you know, it takes real time to think of, about a season as long as ours and what we liked, what we didn't like evaluating on ice, but off ice, um, everything really, and, and coming up with a new plan. So professionally, that's really what that looks like. Personally, you know, it is a bit more of a shift into some, even though I'm, I am traveling typically in that time of year, but I do get a different shift into more time with my family too. Um, a few more weekends here and there, but mm-hmm. just shorter days, more mornings with my kids because I wouldn't be on the ice with them. Um, so not that they wake up and mom's just not here. <laughs> Mom gets to be there in the morning and I get to do some drop-offs too. So um you know, it it's a, a different period of the year, but still a pretty busy period for us. Yeah, for sure. So I just have to wonder, you know, if typically it is more of a introspective, reflective type thing, if if when everyone went home and now a lot of your team, you know, they live all over the country and they're international. And so you now you're, you know, your time becomes completely different. Did that help in your reflective process, you think? Or were you like me and you weren't really no, able to like concentrate it didn't and reflect? Help. It did <laughs> no. not help with my reflective process. I still <laughs> find I'm reflecting. I, I, you know, it's interesting. Everyone's situation was so different. And I think that's what I learned really early on that everyone was feeling differently each day and sometimes different ways within a day and that we need to listen first mm-hmm. and not, and think more on a greater experience level with each person and and where would they normally be, you know, where, how would they normally be acting and what can I do to help them? And I think 
even if, if you're in a place where you were having a hard time or adjusting to it yourself, that was something that became my biggest priority. And so I threw my normal routine of what I would normally be doing at that time of year professionally out the window. And it just became, how can I support the people in my program? Um, that was the biggest piece. And because clearly, you know, family was a necessity. Like I needed to be, um, you know, with my children, I say necessity, like I hated it. I mean, it was actually really <laughs> awesome in so many ways, but right. you know, I, I had to balance those needs in a different way. And I can't tell you we did it perfectly in the beginning, but I, it was a, a process of trial and error and communication with my husband on creating a schedule that would really help us to do those things in a way that we felt like we were getting closer to meeting what we needed to to meet in terms of expectations. Yeah. Oh my gosh, for sure. And I think you hit on a few things like all of us were every day was a different day. I know for me, I looking back, like there were days where I felt super productive and it was maybe just because I did a couple things on my list, but really the time wasn't as productive as I'd like it to, to be or have been. But it was hard, you know, some days you were focused and in it and you're like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And then other days it was I, I just heavy, I guess heavy is, yeah. is the word, right? And so I can only imagine, right, you're responsible too for this, this group that, that looks to you as a role model and mentor, um, these young women who are struggling because they can't do what they love to do. Like athletes are an incredibly different breed, right? They're so mm -hmm. focused and committed. And yeah, they got to be students and focus on that. But I don't know. I think that that balance is hard um, for them. I don't know how, you know, you, you too could feel it. You, you've been an athlete your whole life. So yeah. Mm -hmm. like what Absolutely. Like? And I think the, like the, the guilt, like I think for me early on, I felt so guilty that I wasn't doing enough mm -hmm. for them. Like I was setting such a, a high expectation of what I need to do for them. And then I was setting a high expectation of what I need to do for my family. And um, and everything was kind of intermixing. And I think that was a, a challenging piece to it. You know, I, I joke that everything changed as soon as I decided I was on maternity leave, <laughs> which you're going to think that sounds crazy, but I decided <laughs> since my maternity leave had been so short that, you know, when we split our days and it was my time with the kids, I was like, this is awesome. I'm on maternity leave for half of my day. And the other <laughs> half, I get to work and not pay attention to my children. This is really cool, you know? And um, it really helped me because mentally, I like I, I got okay with knowing that I wasn't going to get everything done that I wanted to get done. I had to shift what I wanted to do at that time of year. Um, you know, because also a whole set of new things were coming up. Like, I'm really fortunate. I was asked to do some online like webinars and presentations. That's not my comfort zone. So it made me, you know, I had needed to prepare. I needed to do different things. So my energy was going in different directions than it normally would. And so it just getting to a place where you can dump the guilt and, and be okay with what your situation is and be okay with, you know, maybe making the wrong decision with your time or making the mm -hmm. wrong decision with just about anything. And, like I started to care more about my reaction to it versus that I did that. Cause when you're going through something so new, how can you possibly do the right thing every time, you know? And I just know that sounds so broad, but I mean, in terms of a schedule, in terms of lifestyle, like we go for the extra ice cream or not, you know, like you can't beat yourself up and right. it's, you know, getting to a place that you're looking more on your reaction of what you're doing versus, 
and and improving that and knowing you came from good intentions versus just the guilt of of what you were doing or weren't doing. And does that make sense? Yeah, no, guilt is huge because I think in general we tend to put a lot of um pressure on ourselves and we do feel guilty when we're not doing it 100%, right? So as a professional, as a mom trying to juggle it all on a good day, there's guilt that, oh my gosh, I didn't see my kids today. Like I got home late and I didn't even get to tuck them in. Or So I think there's always that feeling. So it is huge to come to that realization that you you have to dump the guilt. Like at some point you have to give yourself permission to have not had it been exactly the way you want it to be that day. And I think for a lot of us, that's been one of the hardest things. We like to control everything, especially those of us that are super busy and, um, you know, take pride in what we do. We want to control it. And this is, this is how I'm successful in this box. And this is how I'm successful in this box. And then to feel like you're not you know, what does that do for our own mental health and well-being when when you carry all that guilt? So mm-hmm. thank you for for saying that. And I think other people need to hear too permission to to dump that because that's a mm-hmm. huge weight for us all to carry. Absolutely. Yeah. It's Absolutely. Cr- yeah. It's a lot. It's a real lot. And I love the idea of being on maternity leave. That's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I can't keep living this way, you know? And <laughs> You know, we tried a lot of different things in terms of a schedule, my husband and I, and who was working when. And, you know, it became that people that I interacted with often knew when I was working, which was really great, too. I know some so many people struggled with boundaries and, and being and still are struggling with this. Like, when are you accessible? When are you not? And I found that I was able to create hours that people could be in touch with me. And when people couldn't, and I, to be a hundred percent honest, like I, I didn't do that right away. And I had a, it wasn't a, a bad, scary moment, but a scary moment. I was trying to combine two things at once. And I was with my children outside and I was on a zoom meeting on my phone and um, my children are small enough that they can play and do their own thing, but they're also sorry, old enough, but they're also small enough that things can happen quickly. And I was on a zoom and I literally was looking right at my son but I wasn't there and Mm. he got all caught up on his bike and he fell down and he got scraped up and he was bleeding and he's totally fine, but he'd never bled like that before. And I was like, this is done. Like I am not doing it like this anymore. That this is nobody's, nobody was pressuring me into it. I was doing that to myself and Mm. I just started to set boundaries because that's not fair to my children and it's not fair to how I want to feel about my work and I don't want to be half present. So I started to really create boundaries that help, that help me um, to feel like I was enjoying both in the way that I, I needed to be. Yeah. I think oftentimes our multitasking gets in the way, right? Because we're not really doing a good job at either thing. So you were on the meeting, like la la la, but at the same time, mm-hmm. one eye on your son. And then you, f- in the end, you're the one who feels hurt, right? You're like, yes, shoot, I didn't pay attention to the meeting. And that just happened. He's fine. But like that guilt, that mother guilt mm-hmm. of I was watching yeah. my kid, he got hurt on my watch. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, boundaries. That's, that's really big. So you've mentioned like, energy. You've talked about like shifting a little bit uh, online and doing more webinars, getting out of your comfort zone, and then this whole thing with with boundaries. So I guess, h- how do you replenish that energy? How do you replenish what, what all of this is, I'm going to say, costing us, right? So we can replenish our energy for sure, like we know that, but everything we do has a comes at a cost. So how are you kind of putting that back into your, to Cassie, to yourself? 
Well, and I think that honestly, that's probably been the biggest realization and reflection through all of this. And you know, since we used to do (laughs) yoga together, the pre-children, there was some sort of athleticism in my life (laughs) and it's what I enjoy and I love to be active and, um, but having a busy job and, and just, you put your kids first and you last and, so regardless, I, you know, I really think that that's what shifted a lot of things for me and helped me to sort of at least know that I can get through all of this and figure it out is spending time for me. And so I would get up every day, not for the first month, the first month I was very lost. I'm not going to lie. But mm-hmm. after that, um, up every day and I'm fortunate that I was able to get a Peloton a couple of years ago and mm-hmm. I got, I remember great, when you got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, and I got in a great routine and of getting on the bike, doing yoga. Um, and I just, it, it, it put me mentally in the right place. Um, I added meditation into my routine at night before I went to bed and mm. just some things that just really helped to to give me space in a time where there was no space whatsoever. I I found those to be the areas where I felt like I got some balance and some space. Yeah. And that space is really important. I can't, it's hard to remember already all the conversations I've had, but it's definitely something that I've talked about, you know, when, especially when we look at meditation, we think, oh, if you meditate, you're going to feel better. And everyone thinks, oh, it's going to cure you or that yoga practice is going to cure you. And it's, and it's not, but what all of that does is creates the space between whatever you're thinking or feeling or a problem or whatever it is. And it just allows you to be grounded in your body in that physical, you know, piece, which especially as an athlete, it's like, yes, this is, this is what feels right. So you feel at home. And then when you create that space, you have that clarity or that ability to then face what, whatever it is. And and that's, mm-hmm. I think where, where a lot of people maybe get lost or they look to these things as cure-alls, which they're not, but, yeah. but God, it makes such a difference to put some space between whatever it is and, and get into the physical, which, you know, you're like me, that tangible, like make me sweat and, you know, put me in a down dog for a long period of time. I want to, I want to feel it, but, um, Mm -hmm. we also know what, what it does for our mind. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. Gosh. So amazing. Right. (laughs) Well, and I think I was making, I've been making excuses, you know, I've used my children as an excuse. I've used my schedule as an excuse. And then I've had so many silly little injuries over the last three years that I've I've used as an excuse. And, you know, I just was like, I got a lot tougher on myself and stopped saying and started to say, you know, these aren't excuses. I can't, you know, I'm healthy enough to do this. I just have to do it differently. And I think with everything that's really been like, as I think about just interactions with our athletes, it's, we just need to do this differently. We can still get better. We can get better in different ways that we may not have been able to get better in had we not had this opportunity, you know, to have meaningful interactions on the phone that maybe we wouldn't have had or one-on-one conversations that maybe we wouldn't have had. There's so many ways in your training in their training too, that they can get better in ways that maybe if we were all together, we wouldn't have that space to do it. So, you know, it's, it's trying to find that perspective as we've navigated through this, that, that will help you feel, you know, and understand that you've made such huge gains and growth. I love, um, 
the, the realization that you make, we make excuses, right? We, it could be anything. I don't have time or my knee hurts me today and whatever it is. But I think at least for me, right? So from the outsider, like in my, in my view, I think we often do that because in many ways we don't value ourselves in the same way that we do the other things like your ability to be a mom and, and the importance of that. And so you're focused on them and your job, your profession and your coaching and getting those young women set and ready. And then, you know, by the time it's time to turn the, the flip the phone around, right. And look at yourself, you flip the screen, there's, there's just no energy left. And so it's valuing ourselves in the same way that we value the other things. So I just think for your team, like this is huge for them to see you in this place and putting time into yourself because it really, I know that you stress that with them, right? And we're good at talking the talk, but sometimes we don't always get to walk the walk, right? So I feel like sure. this is a great moment for you to really do it full circle. Yes, absolutely. And, we, you know, I think and have a schedule that that I can stick to, you mm. know, like I think I've created something that I can stick to. And that's so much of what we've been talking about with them is creating a routine and a schedule that, that does, that's where you can find. And I know we're saying that we're trying to avoid using the word normal, <laughs> normal. or the new normal, but we are creatures of routine. And um, when we get a schedule, we feel more safe. And I think you know, I've really found that safety in my schedule. And, you know, so doing an exercising first thing in the day, I already my perspective on that day and my interactions with everyone is just greatly improved, because now I know I made a good decision for me. And that good decision for me is going to help me to help other people, which right. is what every day is about is how can I um, best help other people. And so I, I'm really optimistic that I'm going to be able to stick to it. What I also am ready for is for me to miss some days or me to make mm. some mistakes. And, and I want to be sure that my reaction to that is kind, you know, that I'm not like, Oh my God, here we go again. But it's a kind reaction where it's like, okay, like the, it's okay. You know, I, my intentions are good, but I'm going to have days that it just doesn't go the way that I want it to go. And, and, you're only as good as your your next decision. And so to get myself back to that place, but I'm I'm excited. Yeah, I think that's also the other piece, right? So I'm like you, like I need the routine. I'm early in the morning. Like that is how I start my day. That was one of the few things I did. At first it wasn't intentional, but I quickly realized how it was helping me. Like get up in the morning, do your routine. You know, you're getting up at the same time. You're doing activity, you're physical, you're going to bed at the same time. Like those were my routines that I always had that made me what I think successful in doing a lot of things in the day. And it was very easy to, to right away, like just stay in bed. We didn't know. And it was, it was the uncertainty. So, but right away I got in my routine and it helped me. But what I've realized recently is since all of this has happened, like I give myself like a day off during the week, but I haven't taken time off from, from the physical and I'm seeing it. Right. So I've been tracking some of my on a bike, tracking my power. And I'm like, I just did another test and I didn't improve. And I've been working yeah. out hard. And then you get mad at yourself. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, right. Cause you haven't had rest. So yes. yeah. So it is again, even with anything, like now you're in, on track and you're in this routine, but even that the permission to, to let it go. And whether, whether it's because there's going to be a day and you say, okay, when that happens, it doesn't have to be as 
formal. When that happens, it's okay because I need it too. Or whether like for me, like I'm intentionally taking the next week off because I'm like, you need to not do something for a week. Like, you know, just gentle, relax, walk, not. Um, but it's interesting how like either one can take over our lives. <laughs> yes, absolutely. absolutely. And they're all, you know, I think I just keep coming back to they're all well-intentioned, you right. know, and I think it's like we we just hold on to this this idea of perception and perfection. And I, it's, you know, I, I feel like I'm constantly in having conversations around that, you know, with all sorts of people in my life. It's, you know, it's really, truly getting into that process of how we make decisions, the process of, of what we're doing and and understanding that it's not going to go well all the time. And I think, we get so defeated when it doesn't, you know, mm. we think less of ourselves, we think less of other people, we can be really critical in those moments. And, and how can you be better in those moments, I think is just such a, an important piece to the world that we're living in right now, you know, our perceptions of, of what we should be getting done, our perceptions of, of a new routine we tried to start that maybe didn't continue, like, how are you responding when you don't succeed in those? And yeah. And having a plan for how you're going to respond, because it's going to happen and, and, and how quickly you can kind of bounce back versus just throwing in the towel and getting lost for a week, you know, or getting lost for a month. And that's so easy to do. And especially right now with everything being so different. Yeah. It reminds me of the, like the duality of intention, right? So we set out with this intention to do something, but we're so easily derailed by it if it doesn't come to fruition the way we want. So I love your, you talked about perspective and perception. So even when things aren't going or it doesn't actually work out the way you want, being intentional with that piece too and how you're going to respond. So I think we often forget, right? Intention is like one way. This is what I want. This is my intention. And we see that. But having to switch gears and change your perspective on what what that intention then then manifested as is really important. Um, and we definitely don't spend enough time in, in that arena at all. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Epic fail on many, many ends for us. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess... In the moments where, you know, it's a little bit more stressful or you're finding like it, things might be more of a struggle, do you have someone or someones who you reach out for support? Like, how do you connect? Because I know your, your student athletes have you, you know, you create a network, they have their athletic trainers, they have people that they're connected with. So I know that you're very um, intentional about all of that for, for your team. So what do you do for you? Like, who's your support? Who do you turn to? Oh, this is like so exciting to be able to talk about this Um, because I think the major bonus that has come from life online has been connections online with people that you wouldn't normally connect with. Um, So I started a little group and it was just female. It was three other female head coaches um, in U.S. college hockey. And, you know, we started meeting sometime in May weekly and it was just awesome you know two three out of the four we all had children so there's so many things we were going through that were similar but we were also talking about balance of life and hockey and the things we're doing for our team so that we could kind of get some ideas on how to manage situations 
that turned into a way bigger group that we've started. The um, former general manager, Pocky Canada, she reached out to me and she said, hey, Cass, like, what are you doing? You know, is there any coach groups kind of happening um, on the women's side? Because she had been a part of one with a number of NHL coaches. And I said, there isn't, but I have a small group and, and I'd love to create something. And so she's like, great, I want to run it. I want to like, so I really had to do nothing other than give some names to her, which was awesome. But it's created this amazing network of women. Um, there's about 15 of us across Canada and the US and all from varying degrees of experience in coaching and um, some that have been in this game for so long and some that are brand new first year head coaches. And that's been awesome. Wow. Like the calls have been really like, I've, I haven't been a part of a group where people have shared and been so vulnerable and, um, you, I've just gotten so much out of it. That has been amazing. And then my other piece is honestly my parents, you know, I think, um, them being in Canada and not being able to see them is so hard. And, but especially for them to, to not be able to see my children, mm. you know, I, they have one granddaughter and man, she is on a pedestal for them. And, um, <laughs> so, but what's kind of come of this is, you know, I would call my parents quite a bit, but we're now FaceTiming my daughter and I FaceTime, um, my son's off doing something else at that time, but it works out really well. Um, but we FaceTime them every single night and, Aww you know, it's, we're on the phone for like 20 minutes. She usually like sings some song about them or puts on a show of some sort. Oh. And she know like she, it's like, she gets it that she knows <laughs> we all need that, you know, and, um, and we all just really enjoy it. So I think it's kind of those moments of connection and, and just recognizing what they're going through is very difficult. Um, and for us too, but it just gives you that moment to, you know, the people who make you feel the most safe are always your parents. And, and so it's been nice to have that connection with them daily. And we are so lucky. Like we, we talk about living our life online coming at a cost, which of course it does. And, and, you know, we're very, you know, tangible people. You want to be on the ice with your, with your team and doing that, you know, we're very physical that way and we want in person, but I think we forget like what an advantage technology has been, especially right here, mm -hmm. like that ability to, to have her sing to your parents every night or put on a yes. show like that's so cute oh, so beautiful and so they're they're actually you know in some ways being so far away like yes physically my dad always jokes like can you give her a tickle you know like <laughs> he's like I'm gonna get you you know and and she's like that was you mom and he's like nope it was papa I got you you Aww. know and so it's in some ways though they're really getting a chance to watch her grow you know and um, it's in a different way than they would have gotten had we gone for a visit, you know, every few months or seen them every few months. So right. that part has been, been really, really good. Yeah. And that time is so special. Like it's something she'll remember. And of course, like that's so important for your parents because we can feel really isolated. And I'm, you know, I know that they've been able to come and spend time with you and your family and, and to help you as you've had your children and to be a part of it. So when, when you can't, it's not because, you know, it's something physical on their end or, you know, but you can't cross the border. Like that's hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard mm -hmm. to, you know, put on the brakes for that. So, so that's absolutely. Yeah. But also how cool that you've developed this coaching network, which you and I have talked before, cause we've had our like happy hours and our women's happy hours and different things. And I <laughs> coach Fabry about this too. You know, it's really hard as women to find these same connections and sport uh, support networks. And I think, you know, when you're in the crux of it, there's just so much to do that. I don't have time for that. 
So this has just created a system for you that even if it's not as frequently that you're going to meet as things start to get back to maybe your traditional season or what that looks like, but it's still something that you found so much value in that you're going to keep that. And how amazing for these young first-time coaches to have that. Yeah, it was kind of funny. One of them got on the call, the first call, and everyone's saying a little bit about themselves. And she goes, I don't know how I got in this power group. <laughs> Who got me in this power group? And I was like, I'm a, I'm part of that. Like, isn't that so cool, you know, for her to feel like she's going to have that support network? Because, you know, to be honest, in our sport, it, we don't have, like, I'm one of, I know I'm getting older, but I'm still not really that old. I'm one of the older head coaches, female head coaches. They, you know, it's, it's a bit of a, it's one of the reasons I wanted this group. Like I want to see people continue on in this profession and not see the end of it. You know, it's an incredibly important thing to me. Um, For me as an assistant coach, that's where I was in in saying, okay, I can do this. I can have children and I can be a part of this because that was a big hurdle that was getting so many women out of our sport. Right. Um, and now like, I, I just want to see women learn to navigate the demands and the, of this profession as head coaches and have the experience, have the professional development to grow and keep these jobs. And Mel Davidson, you know, she's my mentor. She, you know, she's the person who, um, really brought me into the world of saying, yes, you can be a head coach. Like she offered me the job to be the under 18 national team head coach. I had no head coaching experience when she called me. I'll never forget. I was in the Denver airport and I had actually just come from a conference that was like, yay, power, I can do this. And then I got tested right away. And she was like, you know, here's this job for you. And my initial reaction, I was like, uh, I was like, is there nobody else? That's what I said to her. <laughs> oh no. And she's like, and she's like, Cass, you have 24 hours to say yes, you know? And oh. so she clearly has been somebody who's really believed in me. She helped to prepare me. And and that, like, for me, it, it catapulted my confidence as a coach. And I'm so grateful to her, but she's perfect for this role. Like, she's just moving out of um, the hockey world, but wants to stay involved. But she's so good with people and and is really helping everyone to have a voice within this group and 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 to all be heard so we can all learn from one another. So it's, it's just phenomenal. Clearly you got my real excitement about it. Yeah. I I mean, all of us need that. Who doesn't need someone who's going to say, listen, you have 24 hours to say yes. Like have that confidence in you to, um, to put their belief in you and to push you to take a chance on yourself, which, you know, if she didn't say that, maybe you would have hesitated longer. Who knows what would have happened. Right. So I don't think I'd be sitting where I am right now. You know, I, like, I don't know that I would have, I always just kind of felt like things would flow, you know, I'd move into that next step. But I, I, at that point, I I thought to myself, like before that, and even at that conference, people were like, Oh, do you want to become a head coach? And I was like, I feel so valued. Like, I feel like I'm growing as a person. And I, um, my why in coaching was like, I just wanted to help the women in our program to go to grow and, and realize they could do and accomplish anything in this world. Like that's why I wanted to coach. I wanted them to have confidence. And so that's why in 24 hours, I I did say yes, I did not say yes right away. But I'm like, if that's truly my why, how can I not do this? Like, I can't say yes, you can go do anything in this world and then say, "Ah, I'm not sure I'm so meant to be a head coach. I, I'm not sure that's my skill set or I'm cut out for that or that I want that responsibility or, you know, whatever the situation was that was the fear that was holding me back from that. But it was the best decision of my life. And 
Um, it's changed my career path. It's helped me to believe in myself. I ended up with one of my assistant coaches on my staff. Then I, I went and I, my son now just loves the fact that, um, I was pregnant while I was coaching in that, in that world championship. And, and he's like, sees all the pictures. He's like, I was there, you know? And so it's, you know, I, that's how I want my son to grow up. I want him to grow up in a place where he believes women can, can accomplish great things and that nothing can hold them back. So, um, I'm so incredibly glad I eventually said yes. And for Mel, for being that person to, to really push me into it. And I think no matter how old we are or what we do, we always need a cheerleader. We need to know that someone's rooting for us and has that belief in us. And I think it is how, yes, we need we need to believe in ourselves, absolutely. But I think that other spark from that external flame really does help. Like, okay, someone else believes in me. Okay, I I, I really can do this. So mm-hmm. yeah, and I know. I mean, I watch you with your with your women on your team, and I I know for sure that that is definitely what you're doing for all of them as well, which is really nice. Like the idea of being the ripple, right? Taking care of yourself so that it then it then moves out and you definitely are a woman on our campus who does make other other women, especially our young women, better at what what they are going to be and who they are. So thank you for that. Thank you. I mean the the women in our program are equally as inspiring. I can say that, you know, amidst just tough moments, their perspective on this whole situation, you know, I, I would put myself in their shoes and we really had the the motto of, you know, let's control what we can control, stay in the moment and, um, and don't move further beyond that because it will make it hard. And they, I, I'm still blown away by the things that they accomplished throughout the summer, the spring and the summer as a group and how they got connected and, and how they really brought in our first years and, and helped mm-hmm. them to get connected to the group, but also just their individual perspective, in particular, our rising seniors, they, they're just impressive. Like there's been no, not a single comment of what if we don't play this year? What if this, what if that they're, they're just two feet into getting better and truly living in the moment and controlling what they can control. And so when I see that from them in such a challenging situation, there's no other path for, for me and and for us because they're just that inspiring. I feel really lucky to have them as a part of our group. Wow. For, for everyone. I mean, for the, especially yeah. it's got to be difficult to transition into college. It's not what you're thinking it's going to be and you're there to be an athlete and, and the season is uncertain. Things are uncertain. So for them to really take the lead, you know, it's, they're inspiring, but it definitely comes from the top, right? So they, they're, they're there to support your program and your team because of what you've built and um, what you've instilled in them. So, but that's awesome that you can see them actually practicing everything that you're hoping they practice. Yeah, it's awesome. (laughs) Um, So I have one last thing that I've been, I guess, asking everyone. So I know we're really good and I, and I know, you know, us as humans in general, we're good at being friends, right? And having friends. And I know you have a lot of people in your community and people come to you, whether they're, you know, your student athletes or whether they're your coaching staff or just colleagues, people come to you and ask for advice. But my, my question is, are you a good friend to yourself? Right. So if you come for your own advice, can you see with the clarity? Can you be a friend instead of being judgmental? And and what would you say to your to yourself as a friend moving forward? Like, you know, in because who knows what's happening? So in the next few months, wh- whatever, what are what do you need to say to yourself as your own friend? I know it's it's hard to get all those words out. <laughs> yeah, no. You know, <laughs> coaching 
coaching sports, I always tell people like that I'm coaching that your inner voice, so your inner friend has mm-hmm. to, you know, look at anyone who is truly successful or, you know, just is kind of crushing it. Their inner voice is really arrogant. So I have to tell you, my inner voice right now is probably pretty confident. I won't call it arrogant, but um, I would tell myself that you've done it. You've got this because you know the process. Like, I think at this point, I'm, I'm not thrown off by wild things happening around me. You know, you look at the pandemic and, and situations like that. I'm just not thrown off right now. And um, I think to, to, to know that I'm going to make mistakes and that weird things are going to happen and to just sit back, ask questions, listen to people, um, and, and then start to make decisions from there when you have all the information, you know? So I think, I would be probably pretty confident around <laughs> you're, you're doing great. You're crushing this. Go get it. You know, how yeah. terrible that sounds. We want real vulnerability around here, but I've made plenty of mistakes through the last six months and, and not every decision I've made has been awesome, but I do believe that you have to believe in yourself and you have to believe in, in the process that you, you go about things. So, um, I, you know, I, I would just push myself to have confidence that I'm, I'm going to figure out whatever comes my way. Wow. That's so fabulous because you're younger than I am. <laughs> it took me a really long time to realize that I wasn't, you know, being a good friend to myself, right? Because we have that inner negative self-talk. And, you know, if you were to say to me, oh, I can't believe A, B, C, D. And I'd be like, Cass, it's all right. You know, like, this is what you got going on. This is what you're going to do. Like, you know, whatever. You're going to figure it out, right? That, you know, it's not say, admitting like, oh, you're not going to make a mistake and it's all going to go your way. But it's just the dialogue of how we support each other. But we're not always good about supporting ourselves that way. So thank you for for your confidence in yourself and for sharing that because especially for women, I think we're not always our, our own best friend, right? We look in the mirror and instantly the critique and the judgment and just like you said, the guilt, right? And dumping the guilt. So I hope any anyone listening to this podcast and spending time with you and your words of wisdom will will take away that it, it is okay to have that little bit of arrogance and, and that confidence in yourself. And it's important. It's how we're going to get through each day. My God. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I love that. And I don't know that I was there even a year ago. So, okay. you know, I think there's power, there's power and challenge, right. Yep. That's been around us. And I think I've really learned how to use my resources a lot better than I used to. I would really just stay on an Island trying to figure it out. And, and I think over the last six to eight months, I, and even before that in little pieces, but it's just, I've gotten a much better sense of how to take care of me and how to use my resources in a different way that, that helped me to be in that confident place. So fabulous. Yeah. Um, Cass, I really appreciate your time, spending time talking to our listeners and sharing all of this and just being authentic and putting it all out there and you know everything that you do for our community on campus like I get to see that but not not everybody knows what goes on behind the scenes when you're a coach and how how many other levels there are to what you do so um, you've also shared a lot of that insight as well so I really appreciate your time thank you it was really fun Thank you, my friends, for spending time with me, Tammy Riley, and our special guest on our podcast, Living Well While Living Online, which is a production of the Quinnipiac University Podcast Studio. 
And also my big thank you to the team, Michael Bachman, producer, David DeRoche, executive producer, Heather Popovics on social media, and the wonderful theme music provided by Scott Holmes. To learn more about our Quinnipiac University podcasts, please visit qu.edu slash podcast. And you can listen to all of our podcasts on the platform or app of your choice. You can also check us out on Twitter or Instagram by following at QUPodcasts. Feel free to send us an email at QUPodcasts at qu.edu. I'm hoping you'll pop by next week for Steve Mark, my dear friend who's a professor at Housatonic Community College and a fellow yogi and meditator. He has, among many things, to offer you the idea of the power of showing up for oneself with intention. So please stop by and give a listen. Until then, be intentional, breathe deep, and learn to be your best friend. See you next week.